Many new free agents hit the open market as the non-tender deadline passed on Friday night, including a couple notable names from the Mariners. We're going to talk about Seattle's recent departures and which of these new free agents could land on the team's radar here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. On the show today, we'll be talking about the three players the Mariners parted ways with on Friday and which of the many new free agents that just hit the open market could appeal to them and yes we will discuss Cody Bellinger a little bit but before we get to that Colby uh Luis Terenz Luke Weaver and Brian O'Keefe are all now officially free agents the Mariners parting ways with them on Friday let's talk about Terenz here first of all he's the most notable name here you're a big Luis Terenz guy I know that the Mariners have some interest in bringing him back on a minor league deal. We'll see how that goes. Of course, he was waived at one point during the season, did not get picked up, reverted back to uh, Mariners AAA team, and then was brought back to the major league roster and was actually able to contribute a little bit there towards the end of the season. Uh, But to me, I think this says a lot about how they feel about Cooper Hummel, who they just acquired from Arizona in the Kyle Lewis deal. Does it say the same to you? It says to me that they're cheap sons of guns who didn't want to pay the best catcher in baseball $1.1 million. And the best two-way player in baseball. Yes. <laughs> Move over, Shohei. Shohei Otani's never gotten a win and caught on the same day. That's all I'm saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess it says something about Hummel. I don't know. It's interesting because they also, uh, uh, you know, non-tendered O'Keefe, which – O'Keefe yeah. wasn't ARB eligible, so basically they weren't willing to pay Brian O'Keefe league minimum, um, which seems like a mistake. Uh, you can never have enough catcher depth, and right now, you know, it's it's Cal Raleigh, it's Tom Murphy, uh, who, you know, just the picture of health himself, uh, and Cooper Hummel, who like has like a forty five percent strikeout rate in the big league. So um, they're going to have to add somebody, uh, uh, you know, uh, to the catcher depth. Uh, it's, it's, doesn't have to necessarily be a major leaguer. Uh, it'd be great if it was, but you know, it's, it, there's not, you know, 32 good catchers in major league baseball or 30 good catchers right now, mm-hmm. uh, let alone 60. So, uh, it's going to be tough. I like the, the combo they have right now and Hummel is fine if he's your third guy, but, uh, they do need to add somebody. And I just thought, uh, you know, paying Luis Torrens a million bucks to be your emergency guy. Um, or at least going to spring training as as a shot to be you know a, a third catcher or whatever. Um, I thought that was worth the gamble, but uh, the Mariners disagree, and we'll see. I mean, if I were a team like you know like Pittsburgh or Oakland, I would certainly uh, give Luis Torrens a major league deal uh, mm-hmm. because I don't really care about his defense, and I want to see if he can hit. And I still think Luis Torrens can hit. Yeah, it's interesting that no one picked him up when he was DFA'd. Uh, during the season Uh, we were pretty surprised about that that the Mariners were able to uh, hang on to him Um, maybe that changes this offseason but it doesn't seem like the league is really high on Terenz maybe a little bit of that changed after his final stint uh, with the Mariners uh, at the end of the season but uh, we'll see you know the Mariners go from five catchers to three 
and with uh, you know some uncertainty about how Tom Murphy is going to return, and you know who knows what you're going to get out of Cooper Hummel, if anything. I do feel like they're they're going to need to add some catcher depth here, like you said. Uh, but it seems like that's probably just going to be through the minor leagues. Uh, that it's going to be minor league depth, uh, and potentially Terenz will be one of those guys. Now, let's move on over to Luke Weaver, who the Mariners claimed off of waivers a few weeks ago, um, and you know we said that he's more likely than not going to, uh, you know eventually be DFA'd and sure enough he ends up getting non-tendered but why claim a guy if you're just going to non-tender him a few weeks later that seems weird right uh it's more about just covering your bases um you know for example if the Mariners had been able to trade Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez already um then you say well you know we have we have Luke Weaver right now as the number five uh you know or competing for the number five it's just about having depth and you know, you just always kind of want to carry the best 40 man roster you possibly can. So um, Luke Weaver made the 40 man roster better on October 30th, whenever he was claimed. Um, so why not? And it didn't cost, uh, didn't cost the Mariners a dime. So, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those covering your bases. You never know how the first few weeks of the offseason are going to go. Um, Weaver's going to be interesting. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if he could get three million guaranteed, which is I think about what he was due to make in arbitration. Uh, the Mariners didn't mention wanting him back, but uh, I, I find it hard to believe they would claim a guy who they didn't like. So we'll see how the market for Weaver kind of develops here. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle brought him back on like a one-year, one million dollar with some incentive type of deal. But uh, we'll have to see mm-hmm. what what Weaver can get. But yeah, it's just about you know trying to make sure you have the best 40 man you possibly can at all times, because you never know what's going to happen even in the off season. And the other thing to consider too, is that, you know, before, or well, uh, at the time that they added Weaver, they, they didn't know that they were going to be able to add guys like Easton McGee and Gabe Spire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that changes things as well. They probably just like those guys more. And also $3 million on on Weaver's a lot. Uh, Again, though, it kind of like, you should probably know what those projections are going to be, what he's likely going to make in arbitration. So again, I, it just, it seems weird to add that guy. If you know that like, you're not going to pay him $3 million, but whatever. Uh, so we'll see if they, they reunite with Weaver. Cause he is interesting. You obviously like him quite a bit. Um, we'll see if they circle back on that, but this is just kind of the natural roster turn of, you know, mid November uh, as we go into yeah. December and as the winter meetings uh, start to uh, approach and the rule five uh, starts to approach. Cause you know, who knows, maybe the, there's a guy in the rule five draft that the Mariners really like maybe a pitcher, right? That's a, the place that the, uh, the Mariners have gone to in the past for, for pitching, particularly in the bullpen. And maybe there's someone that they have their eye on uh, that would fit more than, than Weaver who was out of uh, minor league options would have had to make the major league roster and likely through the Mariners bullpen. So yeah, same with Torrens, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a factor. The Mariners like versatility, uh, you know, not just on the field, but you know, in terms of like roster uh, flexibility. So uh, being able to send a guy down up and down uh, a couple times throughout the year is, is a bonus. And uh, neither of those guys offer it. And so, yeah, we'll see uh, what the Mariners decide to do. They do have three open spots now, but uh, it does also go to show you that the Mariners do not have a 40-man crunch whatsoever because yeah. they've added everybody they needed to add. They dropped three guys, and none of those three guys are, you know, 
making anybody crumble to the ground in pain mm-hmm. except for me. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. One fell swoop, both Luke Weaver and you know what? Luis Torrens. I caught that foul ball that Luis Torrens hit in the playoff mm-hmm. clinching game. So I'll always have that. Yep. That's true. That's true. You'll always have that. Um, the other thing too, right? You talk about the roster crunch, all that, or lack of roster crunch. I mean, there's still guys like Brennan, uh, Brennan Bernardino, Juan Ten, Alberto Rodriguez, who could, uh, you know, make room on the uh, on the forty man as well. So the the Mariners are not uh, the the Mariners don't have their backs up against the wall here when it comes to the uh, to the forty man roster whatsoever. So they still have levers that they can pull that are not going to uh, leave anyone in pain. Unfortunately, uh, unlike Colby, <laughs> sorry, buddy, it it, yeah. it sucks. But uh, yeah, when I saw that come across on on Friday night, I was like, oof, Colby's <laughs> gonna take this one a little hard. Uh, all right, so uh, Luis Trans, Luke Weaver, and Brian O'Keefe are not the only ones uh, hitting free agency. Uh, Twenty nine other teams in Major League Baseball also released. Uh, Quite a few notable names, so we're going to go over some of those, how they might appeal to the Mariners, all that good stuff in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you so much for making us your first listen so plenty of notable names that have suddenly hit the free agent market uh now that the tender deadline has uh, or non-tender deadline has passed as a friday night Let's start with a guy that I think you and I are both out on, but is uh, making a lot of news right now. Cody Bellinger, former National League MVP, as expected, was non-tendered by the Dodgers. He was due like something like $18.6 million, something like that. No way with the way he's played over the last couple of years were they going to pick that up. Uh, and there are quite a few teams that have uh, been reported to express interest in Bellinger, including the uh, including the Blue Jays. Uh, and it seems like every fan base in Major League Baseball right now wants Cody Bellinger because of who he has been in the past. But the last couple of years have been dreadful for Bellinger. 47 WRC plus last year, 83 WRC plus this year. He's just not the same dude. Why should the Mariners avoid Cody Bellinger, Colby? He sucks. I mean, yeah. Need I say more? <laughs> like the dude can't hit. The last it, two years shows that he can't hit. Like, yeah. It it really is that simple. And twenty twenty wasn't all that good in either. So, um, yeah, you know, there's Cody Bellinger is like a really cool like uh, turn of the century house, and it's got all this history and. It's got great bones and all that stuff, but it needs a complete teardown and you have to build it up again. And you don't buy that house to renovate it if you don't, if you're not like a skilled carpenter, right? Or if you can't hire somebody to do it, you don't do that because that's just, that's, 
the foundation is is shot. Like you're going to collapse. You have to build Cody Bellinger from the ground up. Essentially, is what you have to do. I I don't think the Mariners are in a position where they can take that shot. Uh, even last year would have made more sense for Cody Bellinger, but no, the Mariners have broken their playoff streak. They're thinking about competing for a division title. They have to, um, you know, they have to have some certainty with the guys they bring in. Uh, you always want to chase, you know, upside. Upside is very important. But for the Mariners, so is floor. And uh, the Mariners need somebody who is at least going to produce at an average level, and you can pretty much bank on that. That's not Cody Bellinger. Like I said, there's a complete tear. And there, there's going to be good teams that are interested in Bellinger, but that's because they have the shot to give. The Mariners can't take expensive shots like this um, and build out the rest of their roster. It, it's just not there. So if the Mariners can get Bellinger to sign with them for $5 million guaranteed with like a, a bunch of performance bonuses, fine, but somebody's going to beat that deal. Um, there's really no reason for Bellinger to pick Seattle. Um, and Seattle needs more upside. If Bellinger is the fourth, fifth outfielder and you're only giving him $5 million guaranteed, fine, whatever. But honestly, you kind of already have a Cody Bellinger on your roster. His name's Jared Kelnick, and he's not going to cost $5 million. Bucks. Um, they're both guys who just, right now, they're not major league hitters. But they are pretty good defenders. Like well, that, That's the, who Cody Bellinger is. Yeah, and the thing that we have to mention here right, is like after the 2020 season, which was the last decent-ish season for Bellinger, 112 WRC+, plus, nowhere near what he was doing the last three years before that, he had shoulder surgery uh, on a dislocated shoulder. So, And ever since then, the swing has looked really out of whack. The strikeout numbers have gone significantly up, 26.9% in 2021, 27.3% this year, which is a career high. He slashed 210, 265, 389, and you know he was worth 1.7 F4 at the end of the year, but most of that was defense and the fact that he hit 19 home runs. He, stole, he uh, hit 68 RBI and uh, stole 14 bags. But other than that, like he's more or less been useless at the plate. He's not necessarily Joey Gallo, but he's getting closer to Joey Gallo by the minute. And that's just not someone that because, look, I think that because of the name and because of the upside that I think at least some teams think is still there, mm-hmm. he's still going to be a 10 million ish dollar guy when this is all said and done, whatever he signs. And there's probably going to be incentives based on that that probably get him to the 18, 19, 20 million dollars that he was going to end up making in L.A. I think that's probably what he ends up looking for. Uh, The reports right now say that he just wants a one year deal so he can kind of, you know, recuperate value and uh, reshape his market for uh, for next offseason. But I mean, this is a huge risk. And for the Mariners, I just don't think that they're in a position right now where they need another corner outfielder. I just I don't want them to go out and get a question mark, even though that, you know, maybe the upside is really high here, you know, that there is some ceiling here. He's not going to be the NL MVP again, which, by the way, outside of 2019, he never was that guy. Right. He was like a four win player before 2019. Then he exploded for 7.7 F4 slash 305, 406, 629, 161 WRC plus. Before that, his career high WRC plus was 138. And then the year after that, 120. And then after the 2019 season, 112. Then 47. Then 83. Like, he hasn't been that MVP caliber guy. So, you know, even if he does improve upon where he's been the last couple of years, 
you're not going to get someone that's hitting for a 160 WRC plus. You're not going to get that guy. At most, you're probably going to get a 120 WRC plus guy, which is fine. That's really good. Like, especially with his defense, that's going to help someone. And I'm sure, you know, the Astros are going to swoop in here and sign Cody Bellinger, and he's going to be that guy for them and, and be a major contributor for them. And it's going to be really frustrating. And Mariners fans are going to be very agitated by that. But it's just the, the risk to me outweighs the reward here. Because mm-hmm. all signs point to him just being who he is, who he's been the last two years, and I don't see that changing. No, he's just as likely to be a seventy-five WRC plus guy as he is to be a one twenty. Yeah, and that's let let the Texas Rangers take a risk on that. Somebody who, if Bellinger sucks and you know you don't win as a result, like well, that's okay. We were a year away anyways. But if he hits, then maybe we can fast forward our our. Uh, our timetable a little bit here. That's the type of team that should be taking a, a chance on Cody Bellinger, um, you know, or a team that's basically done. Like, you know, they're, they're already a world series caliber team and they just have a roster spot to give them. Um, and that could like be the, the Dodgers Astros, yeah, right. or the Astros. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the type of team we should sign Bellinger, not the Mariners who are trying to make the next, who are trying to take the next step. Yeah. The Mariners need certainty because what is the thing that they have lacked? especially this past season certainty, right? That was my biggest complaint about what they did after the Castillo deal at the deadline was they just added more question marks. They added guys with injury history right. and all well, that. I mean, like just look at what they've done so far. They've, they've removed Kyle Lewis from the roster who is as mm. most uncertain player you can possibly think of. And the reason Mitch Hanniger isn't here on a qualifying offer right now is because you can't rely on him. Now those are injuries, not performance, uh, although a little bit of performance, but mostly injuries with Bellinger, yeah. it's it's just performance. But still, it's the same idea, right? You need reliability, availability, and reliability. So yeah, and again, because of Bellinger's shoulder thing, it's impacted his swing clearly, and it's led to some really really concerning signs. So yeah, I just I, I'm I'm out. I I would rather have someone like Max Kepler and bank on maybe his upside because I think there's quite a bit of upside there in Max Kepler. Uh, we're going to be talking about him on our Thursday show, I believe, uh, on our Thanksgiving show, which we're actually going to be recording after we record uh, this. Um, but So we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. But yeah, I just there there's a lot of different names out there that I would bank on rather than, than Cody Bellinger. I think Bellinger is more so a fit for someone like the Orioles someone like that or you know like you talked about the Astros or whatever I don't think that he's a fit even for the Blue Jays I I, I, especially like if it's either Brandon Nemo or Cody Bellinger for them that makes no sense to me uh yeah yeah, so the like teams that are in the position that the Mariners the Blue Jays etc and they they should steer clear of Cody Bellinger in my opinion uh so let's talk about some of these other guys who else that uh just hit the open market stands out to you and uh who do you like for the Mariners uh I'm a big uh let's see it's it's a little bit different because you say who do I like for the Mariners Right. I like Jameer Candelario uh, yeah. quite a bit, the player. Um, he's coming off of an absolute horrific year um, in Detroit. But, hey, you know, so is the entire Detroit Tigers organization. That's one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. Uh, and and uh, Candelario was was no exception. But you look back just a year before, um, you know, he was hitting 270, 280 with really good on-base skills. Uh, you know, not a ton of power, but I believe he led the American League in doubles uh, in 2021. Uh, you know, 15 home run power, give or take. 
uh, not a terrible third baseman, uh, but there kind of in lies the problem is, is that he's a corner infielder. Mariners are pretty set there with with a Eugenio Suarez. He's not an upgrade over Gino or or Ty France. Um, he's not a guy who has any experience in the outfield uh, or really at second base. So there's a kind of a lack of versatility here to get him in the lineup enough for that to be worth it. I I think Candelario is probably a guy who's going to get like a one year four or five million dollar deal, and he's going to end up hitting two seventy, three forty, four twenty. Uh, with you know 30 doubles and, and 15 home runs and be, oh that's a really useful player uh you know he's going to be a three three one player and, and he's going to be a bargain but I, I don't know how he fits with the mariners he's i'm intrigued enough that i almost don't care just sign him and then figure it out um and it's not like you, you couldn't pop, probably trade him uh, at the end of spring training if you just can't find a fit and you never know ty france gets hurt a lot uh gino We'll see if he can repeat what he did last year, but that's a guy I really like. Um, in terms of like specific for the Mariners, I'd like to see him take a shot on a guy like Alex Reyes, uh, former top prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. Just injury after injury after injury. Again, you're taking a shot on the guy. He might only get a minor league deal, but I bet somebody gives him a, a major league deal. Uh, very little guaranteed money. Uh, you know, that's the type of arm you want the Mariners to take a shot on. Uh, and if he doesn't work, no problem. Uh, if he gets hurt again, doesn't matter. He's he's just a bonus. Uh, that that's how you kind of build uh, around Alex Reyes. But if he does hit and the Mariners can turn him into you know what his upside is, that's you know a, a back of the bullpen type of arm that uh, can get some big outs for you in some big situations, and probably do it for a million five or something like that. Yeah, I really like the Reyes call because that's just loud stuff. And I mean, you get this pitching development staff working with him. You know, who, who knows what could happen there? Uh, and obviously, the, the, the Mariners are kind of developing a reputation for themselves as being able to uh, pluck, uh, you know, major league, uh, you know, high end major league relief talent out of thin air. So, yeah, that would be a, an interesting flyer to take. I also like the Candelario call. I just don't know how it would fit with the Mariners roster in particular for all the reasons that you laid out. Um, so before we hop off the show here, there's a few other things, some minor things that I want to touch upon. Uh, real quick, a uh, some some minor news here from the Mariners that came down just a few minutes before we uh, we started recording. Uh, the Mariners, uh, two uh, Mariners players have changed uh, their uniform numbers, or well, one has picked their uniform number and the other has changed their uniform number. Luis Castillo is going from number 21 uh, to number 58, which was Ken Giles's number earlier this year. Uh, Castillo has worn 58 for, I believe, his entire career in. Cincinnati, but wore 21 when he came over in the trade. And then Teoscar Hernandez, who wore 37 in Toronto, is wearing 35. He was just one number off from a uh, <laughs> from wearing a 34 Hernandez jersey, but alas, we will not get that. He will be wearing 35 uh, with the uh, with the Mariners. Um, weird choice uh, by Castillo to go from 21 to 58 though I'm sure it probably has some meaning or something like that but the, to me 21 uh, is a uh, better number <laughs> sure but hey you know what obviously Luis came over he said you know it's been 21 years since we made the playoffs I'm that guy I'm gonna get us there give me 21 it'll be a reminder of what I've ended and then next year I'll go back to my uh, my number 58 so yeah uh, kudos to Luis for thinking of that uh, smart guy that Luis Castillo very smart guy very very much um, indeed <laughs> yeah and by the way just a couple other um, non-tenders uh, just uh-huh. 
I, I mean, none of these guys are super sexy, but uh, Rafael Ortega is kind of an interesting guy as a fourth outfielder. Got some speed, got a little bit of pop, uh, gets on base, you know, 331 on base last year. It's above league average. Mm-hmm. He's pretty interesting. I mean, Luke Voigt, uh, again, it's just a really tough fit there, um, unless you want a full time DH, which the Mariners don't, but he's kind of interesting right handed power. Uh, Dom Smith. Has uh, kind yeah. of been like a guy that prospect guys have have liked for a long time, and the Mets just could not figure out how to get him on the field. He's coming off of a bad year, but there's still yeah, a ton it, of of bat uh, and power skill there. So, if um, the Mariners if the Mariners actually view a an opening on their roster in the in a similar light as uh, what they gave to to Carlos Santana this past year and maybe Jesse Winker gets traded, whatever, then Dom Smith, Luke Voigt, maybe those guys actually make some sense. Dom Smith yeah. is, is really interesting to me. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that he just needs another opportunity and just to get out of New York, first of all. I know, change of scenery, the whole thing, but whatever. Like I, I, I do think that there's actually some well, talent there in Dom Smith's bat, though. Right, and I think that's more about just opportunity to play every day than it is, you know, just... Yeah can't handle new york uh you know he just he's not he's not an outfielder they tried to put him out there he's pretty bad out there uh he's pretty decent first baseman but you know there's this guy pete alonzo and before this last year they didn't have a dh uh spot to put him in so that's that's a bit of bad luck Uh, if you're a guy who's obsessed with lefties out of the bullpen um you know uh jake brents uh is a pretty interesting guy from kansas city um you know over strikeout printing 10.6 k per nine in his last fully healthy year uh, does walk some guys so 5.2 base on ball per nine. So, you know, if you're looking for another Ryan Barucky type of shot, there's that. And then if you're looking for some rotation depth and uh, possibly some bullpen depth, this guy we've talked about quite a bit, uh, Ryan Yarborough, uh, also non tendered. Um, you know, I, I think that's a guy you maybe throw three million bucks to and see if he wants to start. But for some reason, Ryan Yarborough just seems like he's destined to be a Minnesota twin. I don't know why, but that just feels like sure. he'll go to Minnesota. He'll throw up, you know, a three nine FIP and and you know two point five F four, and people are like, "Oh, how does he do it?" And it's, oh, I don't know. He does it every year except for last year. But uh, yeah, so there there are some interesting guys who got non tendered. I don't know if any of them have a great fit in Seattle. Uh, one other guy I throw out there is Brian Anderson, but again, the same kind of issue. Just where where's the fit yeah. on the Mariners roster? None of those guys are outfielders. Yeah, also had some injury, uh, you yep. know, what was the last couple of years. So there, yeah. there's a reason those guys were non-tendered, right? Yeah, they didn't just sure. fall out of the sky. So, yep, yep. All right. So last night I'm scrolling through Twitter and I saw something that shook me to my core. Oh Colby, oh my God, Matt Brash is learning a cutter. Oh boy. He's been at driveline learning a cutter. Colby, Matt Brash has one of the most disgusting sliders in the game, but what could a cutter do for him? Driveline's going to ruin Matt Brash. <laughs> He's going to ditch the wipeout slider for the cutter. It's all right there in black and white. Um, I think the cutter is a direct response to uh, is Brash trying to prove that he can start. The cutter uh, is the weapon against lefties, or at least that's what he's going to try and make it because mm-hmm. Brash really doesn't have that. I mean, the, the lefties lit up Brash pretty good this last year. He just he doesn't have a change up right to get them out of way, so he has to have something. Um, all his breaking pitches, you know, run right into the the lefty loop power zone or whatever it's called. Uh, you know, the fastball doesn't have doesn't create enough value on its own uh, to just you know throw fastballs by lefties. So he needs something to get uh, left handed hitters out. Maybe it's the cutter. You can bury it in. 
uh, off the inside corner, get it uh, in their on their hands, um, and then try and uh, backdoor a, a slider or something on the outside corner. Uh, so I think that's, you know, Brash trying to work on a pitch to get lefties out. And I, I think if he could get lefties out, if he had a pitch, a legitimate weapon against left-handed hitters, um, he would have a, a better shot to, to stick in the rotation. So I think that's what that is about. Um, you know, we'll see if he can offer up anything remotely close to a major league quality cutter uh, in a few months. But uh, I think that's a direct response to like, Hey, you're probably going to get starts in spring training. We want to see you have a pitch that can get we feel like can get left-handed hitters out. And I think the cutter is is probably his answer because the changeup he just doesn't seem to trust it. There were times where the changeup was pretty good in the minors. I don't know why he won't throw it, but I guess the cutter is is his solution to the uh the platoon split problem. Then finally, uh Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times wrote an article last night about outfield options uh, for the Mariners and there was an interesting excerpt that you DM'd me last night. Uh Divish said, "Quote, some baseball insiders believe that if the Mariners don't sign Mitch Haniger to a contract, they will instead go the trade route, which DePoto has often found more productive and open to possibilities." He could move packages of players, including Jesse Winker, right-hander uh, Chris Flexen, along with prospects to acquire an outfielder. Seattle shopped Kelnick, Jared Kelnick, extensively at the deadline as well. Now, Colby, shopped is a lot different than being open or listening in on or what have you. Receiving offers. Receiving for. offers, yeah, shopped. And, I mean, when you combine this with how much the Mariners clearly like Cade Marlowe, uh, mm-hmm. they obviously like Taylor Trammell quite a bit. Uh, they have very openly said we would like to add another corner outfielder. What does this mean for Jared Kelnick's future in Seattle? <sighs> Clearly, it means he's about to be traded along with Emerson Hancock and Dylan Moore for uh, Brian Reynolds. Uh, Chills. I mean, clearly, that's that's the obvious line to draw. I mean, Brian Reynolds was mentioned in this article as well. So, I mean, like, just connect the dots. It's it's really any idiot can do it. So, chills. Chills. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, this doesn't surprise me all that much. Uh, I think the I think the team's frustrated with with Kalnick and. I think Kellnick's probably frustrated with the team. Uh, it's pretty much it's very similar to the Kyle Lewis thing. Uh, Lewis's frustration was more about injuries, and and the Mariners was lack of communication here. Uh, you know, for for Jared Kellnick, it's it's not a work ethic thing. It's not he's not trying. It's it's not any of that stuff. Um, it's just about you know how much how are we going to keep giving this kid at bats at the major league level because he can't do any more at the minor league level. He has to work through this stuff at the major league level. But we can't give him those opportunities if he can't be at least an average major leaguer. We can't afford it's the same Cody Bellinger thing, right? We can't afford to just give a you know a black hole in our lineup 500 plate appearances and hope he figures it out. So I'm not all that surprised that they shopped him. Um, they didn't trade him, uh, so I don't think this is a situation where they're just going to you know give him away like Kyle Lewis. I don't think they're going to trade him for. Um, you know, roster fringe. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to do that. So uh, I think they're open to moving him. Absolutely. Um, I really don't think a team is going to value him the way the Mariners would want him to be valued in order to move him. So I, I really don't think anything comes from this, but um, you know, it, it is something different than we heard. We had heard that teams were asking about Kelnick a lot, uh, which I mean, I suppose is I, the Mariner. It, the phrasing's a little weird. Divish could could maybe clarify that, like, 
were the Mariners calling out about Kelnick or were teams calling them and they were receptive to it? Because right. shopping seems to imply that they were making the calls, um, not the other way around. So it's kind of an important distinction there. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not too surprised by that, uh, by Kelnick, you know, being bundled in, in trade package ideas and stuff like that. I think it makes sense for a player and team. Yeah, shopping to me says, you know, they're calling uh, the, yeah. the other team saying like, hey, we would like to trade for Luis Castillo, right? And being mm-hmm. like, you know, we're open to dealing Jared Kelnick. Are you interested in him? Are you interested in sure. him in a package for, for Castillo? Whatever, right? That's what it seems like to me. So assuming that they were open to doing that a couple months ago, I would assume they're doing that once again now, uh, especially with the emphasis on adding another corner outfielder and with Cade Marlowe coming up, with Taylor Chamel still in the organization, uh, with Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore, all that. So it's, to me, if that's uh, if that's what's going on here, then I don't know. Seems like maybe we'll, uh, when we get to opening day, Jerry Kelnick will be playing elsewhere. But... And, you know, honestly, that might be the best thing for him, too, as a player, because if they do add another outfielder, I mean, his path to playing in Seattle is is pretty murky. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's possible that he could get leapfrogged by Cade Marlowe and uh, Intramel. And so, you know, uh, it might be best for him to, to go elsewhere while he can still salvage his career because he's still really young. Still really young. Still a lot of time for him uh, to figure things out. Uh, but th- he needs to, you know, get on the horse here sooner rather than later. So if that opportunity presents itself elsewhere for him, then uh, then good for him. And if they're, the Mariners are able to uh, help facilitate that, then great. But, you know, of course, the Mariners are going to need to get something useful in return for him as well. They're not going to give him up for nothing. So... Uh, we'll have to see how that all works out. But that is going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now, for your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day it's available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace